Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 85 of the F1 Show, our postseason update and final show of 2010. I'm Robin Warner. And I am Jim Lau, and it has been a while since you've heard from us. The season is long over, and it is almost 2011, in fact. Yes, we apologize for that, but the good news is the ties are loosened, the shirts are unbuttoned. The Mountain Dew is flowing. Oh, it's going to be a good show. Yes. We can tell already. So gather around for a... Tasty nuggets of off-season <laughs> updates and wisdom and so on. Uh, Jim coined a brand new term that I think uh, captures so perfectly. There are several man seconds put into this episode for you. Yes. It's going to be tasty. Scores of man seconds. <laughs> All right. We've got plenty to talk about in uh, this episode. But uh, let's start with some one of the more ridiculous saga, Gates, scandal, whatever. It's that's been fun. Going on. I mean, Formula One has everything. It's got drama. It's got we, we had action. A, we had a good spy scandal a couple oh, yeah. years ago. We've had people banned. We had crash scandals, all kinds of stuff. And now what do we have? Comedy. A dispute over ridiculous naming rights. Okay, so um, I'm going to be using a Autosport article here a little bit just to help us clarify. Um, basically, here's what's going down. Um, the uh, What's the guy's name? Fernandez. Jay Fernandez? Tony Fernandez. Tony Fernandez bought the rights to the name of Lotus Racing from David Hunt, who is the brother of 1976 Formula One world champion James Hunt. And David Hunt bought the name from Lotus Racing when they went under in 94 or whenever it was. And so good call, by the way, to just buy the rights to exactly. use the name. So uh, Hunt bought that from Lotus, and then Tony Fernandez bought that from Hunt, and he raced under with his team under the name Lotus Racing. Yes, that was last year, all, all, or this year, 2010, it was all Lotus Racing. Now, Group Lotus is coming in and saying, whoa, 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 Group Lotus is the company that actually owns Lotus, that actually builds the road-going cars. Group Lotus has come in and says, no, we are going to be Lotus Racing, and they went ahead and bought uh, controlling rights to the Renault team, which is now going to be called um, Lotus, Lotus, Renault. Lotus Renault, GP or something like that. So... Now there's a legal dispute between um, between uh, Team Lotus, and, team group Lotus, Lotus. and Group Lotus, and uh, already Tony Fernandez has changed the team from Lotus Racing to Team Lotus. Yeah. So now at the moment we have Team Lotus and we have Lotus Renault. Both cars are going to be powered by a Renault. Both cars are going to be black and gold. Well, maybe. Wow. Well, maybe. But currently that's that's the current thing. So And there's a legal dispute. So... Group Lotus saying this is ridiculous. We're Lotus. We have all the rights to it. And uh, Tony Fernandez came back and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why were you trying to buy Lotus Racing from me a year ago then? Because obviously I have the legal rights if you were trying to buy it from me. So the whole thing is in court, and it's going to some, – somehow BMW is going to be one of the names. Yeah. It's going to be in there somewhere. And it, it's, it's one of these disputes where it's like everybody ultimately wants the same thing, uh, you know, to just be in, in F1 and make a difference and make money and, you know, put together a good team. And yet it's so weird that you have Group Lotus versus Team Lotus. And, and Group Lotus, as the, the car maker, has been drastically expanding. I mean, they've, they've been making the Elise for a few years. They added the Evora. Um, yep. but then, like, and the Exige and several uh, types of the Elise. Yeah. And, and then they've just, like, drastically expanded. They've got, like, a whole new car lineup. They've been at all these auto shows and just really stepping it up. They've got involvement in uh, in IndyCar now and making engines for other other series and all. Like, they're just really, I don't know if they've just gotten a huge influx of money or what exactly is going on, but uh, they've got, uh, they're just drastically expanding. And so now it all of a sudden starts to matter again. Uh, and they want to become a, you know, a world player as a, as a car maker and, and engine builder in indie cars which is weird because they don't make engines in f1 they just do cars in f1 as a constructor right it's all well, kind and of they don't make ball. engines in their production cars either yeah. all their production cars are toyota powered you know they say lotus on the engine covers but that's their engine cover makers <laughs> exactly that's about it so anyway that that's sort of the summary as it sits right now um last i understood is uh, mike gascoigne put out on the on the, you know, on twitter basically like okay so now that there's going to be lotus renault um and they're going to have the black and gold livery um should we still do that or do people like the uh green and yellow you know green with yellow stripes green and, and yellow yeah i mean for sure and uh and actually the, the response was basically yeah green and yellow that's the way to go so now i think it's sort of unofficial because it's like mike gascoigne on twitter but he's saying <laughs> somehow somehow that becomes official in well, some way it's 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 funny how these things work but uh yeah that 
you know, it might as well be a press release because, you know, news articles pick it up. Oh, in a tweet, you know, Mike Gascoigne mentioned this. So it sounds like unofficially anyway. Mike Gascoigne's like the Sarah Palin of Formula One. No, it's kind of awesome. He's he's great for Twitter. I mean, he'll tweet, like, useful and interesting things. Like, he, you know, he's like uh, from one of the other teams. He was like, hey, Virgin guys, uh, we've got a piece of your body work that flew off on the front straight. It kind of ended up down our, by our pit stand. So come get it if you want. I mean, I mean like, you know, <laughs> it's like, that's like, it's just, it's yeah. actually the guy there at the track saying what he thinks. And it's, You know it's why great. he likes to tweet? Because he's so little. So small, so petite looking. And I think that means it's time to move on. So we've got uh, a few changes in the driver lineup. A lot of the teams are staying the same. Well, that's that to me is the news right there is how little, how, I mean, how few seats are really available. Yeah, it's not the, – the, we talked about this last year or earlier this year. The silly season wasn't terribly silly. I mean, we had Sauber switching around some drivers. Yeah, um, we called it the mildly humorous season. Yeah, but so in uh, – constructor championship finishing order let's go through uh just real quickly you know the teams and what's going on ooh 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 can i start can i start yes red bull yes no change no change uh, uh mclaren no, no change, change. No okay change. uh ferrari um no 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 change no and who's change. next in the championship that would be mercedes yes that's right that's right that's right okay uh no change um renault no change. But what we know is that uh, Vitaly Petrov... No change, but no change is news. Yes. Uh, Vitaly Petrov is going to be there next year and the year beyond. He's got a two-year deal now with Renault, which is a bit of a surprise based on his you know, uh, inconsistent performance, shall we say. <laughs> uh, in a way, it's a surprise. In a way, it's not. With the Russian Grand Prix coming up and all these talks and, you know, and money coming in and so on from Russia, uh, I think somebody wants to have a Russian driver on their books. And... I hope Petrov that has his moments. He 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 has his moments. And I mean, crashes. for example, holding off Fernando Alonso in Abu Dhabi forever. That was fantastic. And he took a wild fish shaking for it. Yes, and he fish shook right back at. By the way, I hope that it was stipulated in the contract. Uh, I'm going to say right now that this is the Mountain Dew talking. That um, Petrov's manager is mandated to be there. <laughs> Every race weekend, because she's kind of cute. I can't get you know. I can't, she's kind of cute. She's got a she's got a look. She's got. <laughs> okay, I, I, that's Jim's way of saying move on. All right, go ahead, please. Okay, next in the order is Williams, where there is a change. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg, after a shocking pole Jim, position whoa, in whoa, Brazil. Hold on, oh, hey, wait, yeah. breaking news. Oh, breaking news. This is this just came on the feed mm. right now. What do you got? Team Ferrari, Ferrari, the Scuderia. Yeah. They're also going to have a chain, name change next year. What, really? Yes. Their new team is going to be called Team Ferrari Lotus Flower. Oh, wow. Lotus so Flower. Lotus getting their name in the, the Ferrari team. That's, that was, that's amazing. Yeah. This is really huh. – that's interesting. I'm sorry. You were saying yeah, that's gonna breaking make news, ladies and gentlemen. Confusing. You heard it here first. Um, wow. So, yeah, Williams. Nico Hulkenberg, after his you know excellent performance in Brazil, is fired. Um, and Pastor <laughs> Maldonado – is uh, is replacing him. He is the GP2 champion this year. He's from Venezuela, so uh, representing South America, and uh, will be in for Williams next year alongside Rubens Barrichello. I heard that they brought him in because he makes an excellent cup of coffee. Yeah. Yeah. He's good for that. Um, <laughs> it's the Mountain Dew talking, really. We're not really here. Okay, it's mostly me. Jim's being normal. You were saying Force India. I was saying Force India. Uh, we don't know. Actually, they haven't confirmed their driver lineup. However, I have a guess. Uh, my assumption is that Adrian Sutil will probably stay. Um, both their drivers were a touch lackluster by the end of the season. But um, Sutil, I think, in aggregate, was pretty strong. And he wanted to move up, but he can't. There's nowhere to go. So I think Sutil will probably be there. And Hulkenberg, uh, his manager, Willie Weber was talking about getting Hulkenberg a Force India seat. I'm going to say that's reasonably likely without knowing all the details, so I wouldn't be too surprised to see a Sutil-Hulkenberg lineup at Force India. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, though, I actually just came across another article here. We've got actually another name change You're kidding for 2011. Me. No. Really? Who is uh, it this Yeah, McLaren-Mercedes Yes, is actually now going to be McLotus. McLotus? Yeah. McLotus. McLotus. I wonder if that'll come with fries. Yeah, Sounds delicious. <laughs> it does. It um, sounds quite good. Boy, wow. Th- th- this, this, this is going to be a weird season. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, so Sauber, uh, Nick Heidfeld is out. Uh, you know, they had... Um, he was only in for a few races. He was sort of their temporary, uh, you know, yeah. It was um, a bit of a weird situation down there. And they, they were, I don't know, trying to do whatever they could to try to get some better pace and better reliability out of the car. And but, I think they did. I mean, if you compare the way uh, Pedro De La Rosa was running compared to Sauber... 
Uh, it was remarkable that Kobayashi indeed had the better of both guys. But I think Heidfeld coming in, especially coming in late season, yeah. I, I think he did a better job than Pedro De La Rosa was doing. And you know what's a good way to improve reliability? Get lots and lots of money. <laughs> and you know who's got that? Carlos Slim, the richest <laughs> man in the world and Mexican billionaire, owner of Telmex and all that. And his boy, Sergio Perez, who's got connections with Carlos Slim and Telmex and so on, yes. is coming into Sauber um, and is bringing lots of money with him, I think. So now, that's, what's, what's that's very interesting about this, and this is all absolutely true, back in my Skip Barber racing days, um, I raced a lot of Telmex-sponsored kids. They Telmex has spent years and millions of dollars of putting a lot of like promising young uh, Mexican drivers through ladder series to try to get him up. So um, I raced against uh, Salvador Duran a lot, and he made it. I think he did some GP2 starts. He did some A1 GP and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He was Telmex sponsored as Skip Barber. Um, he's the he's the one I knew the most. But there were uh, two or three guys. I mean, I was racing 14-year-olds mm-hmm. in Skip Barber. And they National had sponsorship. And, and they were yeah. Telmex sponsored the full deal. Um, so this has been going on for years. This was like beyond the Red Bull American driver in F1 challenge. Yeah, it's, this is just years of the making trying to get a Mexican driver in F1. So this is the first full realization of that. Yeah. So it's been going on for at least at least six, eight years. And it, as, I, as I understand it, um, one of Carlos Slim's either sons or I think a nephew or something um, is sort of in charge of all the motorsport sponsorship and basically has whatever budget he has out of, you know, the, the slim billions and billions fortune to do what he wants in motorsports. And he's, he's real big into it. So, I mean, we see a lot of Telmec sponsorship in the Grand Am series. You know, they turn prototypes cars. They are a title sponsor on one of the teams. And, uh, you know, we, we see the, the you know, Telmec sponsorship pop up all over the place. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be good to see if they can, if they can do that. And, you know, there was the Mexican Grand Prix, uh, you know, back in, I don't know if that was uh, 80s or 90s when that was. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think 80s. And, uh, I think it was like I've been, South American, South African GP days, Dutch GP days was in there. Yeah. And I've been to the uh, track that in, in Mexico City where they actually run Champ Car for a while, and um, they do NASCAR down there sometimes. They bring stock cars there at the uh, Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez. That's really fascinating, Jim. I have to interrupt you. This is shocking. Yeah? There is more breaking news. Oh, <laughs> uh, what is it now? But I, Three announcements came one right after the other. More name changes. Oh, what is this? Red Bull is now going to be called Red Lotus. What? Red Lotus. Oh, wow. Red Bull, Red Lotus. Okay. And apparently it'll still give you wings. Um, and this is interesting. Both Williams and Force <laughs> India are also changing their names. This one's going to be tricky for the, announce- hmm. the announcers. Williams will now be called Group Lotus Racing Team. Mm-hmm. They're the Group Lotus Racing Team, the GLRT. Force India is now going to be called the Lotus Group Team Racing. Oh, well, that's easy. Yeah. Lotus Group Team Racing. Yeah, that's L- LGTR. Hmm. This is, this is amazing. This, this Lotus thing is really catching on. They are all over the place. I'm wow. sorry, you were saying no, Mexican. So, team. so yeah, I mean, maybe they'll go back to Mexican Grand Prix uh, eventually. I mean, they've got 20 races for 2011. We'll probably have like 50 race calendars in another few years. And why not Mexico? <laughs> just, look, just race every week. They're weekend. looking at tracks in Vietnam and all over the places. So, uh, why, why the heck not? Um, but I no. think Mexico would be a cool place. Actually. Mexico is a cool place, and uh, you know, we would be all over food for the Mexican Grand Prix. Oh my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's all we have to say about that. Uh, <laughs> next team. Taco Bell. Is, Just uh, kidding. Would be uh, Scuderia Toro Rosso, STR. Uh, we don't know. Yeah. They it, haven't really it, said anything. Um, and that one's probably the biggest unknown because Agashwari was decent. Buemi was good. It seems like Buemi was great in his rookie season and then has gotten less impressive as time going on. It's like he's been the same. It's like, dude, you should have improved. You know, I, I don't know if that's entirely fair. But you could do worse. Yeah. yeah. Excuse me. You could definitely do worse. So, so yeah, we're not really sure um, what STR's lineup. You know, could could likely be the same, but uh, you know, maybe Hulkenberg could end up there. I mean, it's a little hard to say. You know, it is possible. Although I definitely don't think Hulkenberg <coughs> would want to get there. That would be a big step down from the Williams. But certainly, a race seat is better than. Uh, uh, no receipt well, at all. We've, we've seen steps down in the past. Uh, well, and Heike Kovalainen, well, a McLaren to a Lotus. <laughs> that's true. Well, but <laughs> sorry, and, and, McLotus to a Lotus. Yes. Now the one I think one way Hulkenberg could go is kind of the Felipe Massa route, which is where um, he goes from a racing driver from a midfield team to a, a reserve driver of a top team. So if he can be a reserve driver for McLaren, a reserve driver for 
um, you know, Ferrari, Red Bull, something like that. That would be an excellent move for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, who's to see? Now, uh, next on the list is what was Lotus Racing, now Team Lotus. Uh, no change. They are keeping Truly and keeping Kovalainen, and probably a pretty good lineup, I would say. Yeah, probably most solid of the uh, of the new team's lineups. I mean, both experienced, but, you know, we've, they've got the fireman with Kovalainen. Yes. Uh, he's, he's, you know... <laughs> And they've got one-time Monaco. Speaking of which, did you see the Racing of Champions crash he had? Um, I saw some of the coverage. You know, this, uh, the a rally car that rolled over. He was in, uh, he was racing. Um, uh, French guy won every single WRC since Sebastian he Loeb. Sebastian Loeb. He was racing Sebastian Loeb in one of the early rounds of Racing Champions. Oh yeah, his girlfriend his th- was with him, and yeah. his girlfriend was in the passenger seat for the celebrity ride or whatever. Yeah, and his throttle stuck open, and he slammed into the. Uh, Slammed into the barriers and knocked himself unconscious, and this whole thing like scratched up his girlfriend. The whole thing, yeah, pretty pretty amazing. I mean, it was just it looked. I mean, it's amazing. It's absolutely outstanding. They're indoors. They're mm-hmm. inside a stadium. It's amazing how fast they go. Very cool to watch. Yeah. yeah anyway, he's okay. He's going to be full recovered, ready to go in 2011. No issues. Yes, we cannot say the same thing for Hispania HRT. Um, they've not announced any driver lineup. They have not announced if they're going to be able to put a car together for yes. 2011. Uh, their deal with, uh, with you know, Cosworth is over. Uh, their deal with Toyota of, you know, oh, we're going to get these chassis and all that. That fell through. Um, they don't necessarily have a car to build for 2011. Yeah. And they've not announced any drivers. They may not have any money. And they may or may not be in next year. Which could open the door for some of the things we've heard about, like, one of the rumors is that Mr. Jacques Villeneuve is trying to get back into Formula 1 with his own team. With Nursing Home Racing, yeah. Nursing Home Racing. He's going to be like 90 years old and French-Canadian and a uh, freaking folk singer. This is not going to go well. And you know his racing suit is going to be eight sizes oh too big. Oh, my God. It's just, he's going to look like the Michelin Man. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's, oh, man. Jacques Villeneuve. That's what we need in F1. Jacques Villeneuve again. <laughs> we need more of that. Okay, one more team. Uh, last placed Virgin Racing. Uh, we do have a driver change there. Lucas Degrassi is out, and uh, Jerome D'Ambrosio. Or Jerome, I thought it was or, uh, Ambrosia. I, like know, he's a mix of fruits and sweets, well, and you eat it, and it tastes good. Well, he is Belgian, so that's probably what happens. <laughs> uh, no, he's yeah moving up from GP2. Uh, he was, you know my mom used to make Ambrosia. Had marshmallows on it. Never ate it, though. I don't know about fruit and marshmallows. Like It's not my thing. So you think that means he's going to be a good driver or a bad one? Well, he's he's gonna he's probably going to be good at spa, and he loves waffles. <laughs> I think no. So he did some tests. Uh, he was a test driver for a few uh, like the last four rounds of 2010 with Virgin. I think after yes. the GP2 season finished, and they were very impressed with him. He said he got on with the team very well. And Lucas Degrassi's like, oh, I'm G. I'm not an F1 anymore. Oh well. Yeah. yeah. WTFF, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's mine. No one else can use that without giving me props, by the way. All right. So, yeah, that, those are your driver changes. Uh, we also have some rules changes for 2011. Um, no single thing is earth-shattering, but a lot of significant changes, I think, for, uh, yeah, for next year. Once you start looking at it, it adds up to pretty uh, significant thing. One thing we've actually been talking about since the middle of 2010, uh, officially the 107% rule is back for qualifying. Um, that means that you cannot be slower than 107% of the time of the fastest guy. Um, in, otherwise, you are out. In qualifying. In qualifying. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how that's going to work with the tiered with the tiered uh, qualifying. Is it just going to be the poll for that session? You know what I mean? You have session one, session two, session three, Q1, Q2, Q3, whatever. Yeah, because you could imagine, especially with uh, any kind of wet-dry sessions or whatever, poll could end up being like way faster exactly. than, uh, or slower. than Q3, yeah. although if it's slower than... Somehow the Q3 guys are exactly. in, the pole guys are exactly. yeah, so, there's I'm sure there's exceptions So it'll be interesting yeah. to see because when the 107% rule was um, was around originally, it was qualifying was just an open hour. Yeah. And any time in that hour is when you put your time in. So it's interesting to see how that works out. Um, uh, the other, the big one for me is uh, the movable rear wings. Yeah. So this is, this is actually interesting. Um, it's not... Because in uh, you know this year and last year I think as well we had movable front wings where the driver could move it up and down by a little bit once per lap and we sort of never really knew when that was happening and it didn't, yeah it didn't seem to make any percept- any bit of difference perceptible about it on television certainly 
in, in terms of like, oh, that car is going really fast now or made this brilliant move. He must have moved his front wing. Like, none of that. Yeah. Um, so the idea with the movable rear wings is, you know, the problem is these cars can't overtake. And once one car gets behind another one, he's in the slipstream and he loses all his downforce and he just can't keep pace behind him, has to slow down and can never make a pass. Yes. So the idea with movable rear wings is that um, to give you that downforce that you would have lost by running right behind a car in front of you, give you that downforce back so you can maintain the speed, make a move that you otherwise wouldn't be able to make and get more overtaking in F1. That that's the the goal. So the way they're implementing that, it's still going to be a bit. Uh, I mean, it's definitely you know sort of complicated to keep track of for fans because it's not you know we don't, we're not going to probably be able to see. Well, these there's some weird hiccups with it, right? Like you can only do it when you're within one second of yes. a car in front of you. So that's that's the idea is not to use this for defense where we had you know with with Kurs uh, previously where we had you know the McLarens would have just enough of a boost with Kurs to sort of become unpassable and something that was supposed to make more overtaking in F1 actually ended up producing less overtaking. Uh-huh. So the idea with movable rear wings is you can't use it for the first. Um, I forget what the time is, but the first like thirty seconds of the race or something. So you can't all at the first corner, you know, use that to sort of like focus on getting your race started. Once the race has started, um, then uh, yeah, once you're within a second of the car in front of you, you can use the you can you can move the rear wing um, and get the downforce back that you would have lost by running so close to the car in front of you. Now, in there were actually some other proposals and some through a, a company I work with, Race Logic, for automating automating that system so that. Uh, all these cars have GPS in them. They know, you know, the F, you know, FOM and everything knows where they are on track. Yeah. And they could automatically have the cars just have a consistent level of downforce, whether they're trailing another car or not, just automatically based on position, saying, okay, this car is X number of meters in front of you. Therefore, we've determined that you're going to lose this much downforce. Therefore, we're going to give you this so much more wing. So not absolute the same downforce because obviously then the cars are all the same. But what you're, it, what you're saying is relatively you have somewhere between full downforce and whatever taking the downforce away would be, you know, 50%, let's say, or uh, 0 to 100% of the difference in downforce you can achieve. Right. So, yeah, but just to give you back what you're losing by by following the car in front of you okay. and trying to make a pass. Um, so there were um, – and actually, they, you know, RaceLogic did submit to FOM uh, a, a whole document on how this would work and how the technology – it's really actually not that hard to do. I mean, Smart you, folks you, there you know where Race you are Logic, on track actually. and you know – yeah. But it's just, you know, to – because, you know, we, we saw some of these proposals for these weird split rear wings that wouldn't upset the air for the car behind it so much. And they looked oh, really, really terrible. And oh, they were just, awful. you know, all kinds of weird combinations of wings and tires and all that, all kinds of things. So um, this is still driver controlled, um, but driver controlled within the window that race yeah. direction allows. And see, that's see that's going to be sticky. Because how many times are we going to see uh, on the... Um on the you know our cube, you know the stewards are investigating you know movable rear wing incident where the guy was one point two seconds behind versus one or whatever. That, yeah, that's or, what I'm concerned about. Or if it's about. like the you know pit lane speed limit or whatever, where it's like you know the, the electronics may allow for you to sort of you know press and hold the button, and as soon as you're within a second, then you do it. Or, and I don't know if they know because officially we only get timing at start finish line at the end of sector one, the end of sector two. So is it? You know, if you're a second behind someone at start-finish line or, you know, if you're gaining on them and you're not, you know, you have to wait until the sector beam to know that you're a second behind them or is it actually based on position? So right, exactly. It still raises some questions. But the point is it should make for better offensive moves, you know, because the guy in front can't use his rear wing to get more downforce to counteract, you know, to, to defend the position. Uh, maybe it'll make for more overtaking. Um, my concern based on these other rule changes we've seen, is that it may not make enough of a difference to really matter. Right. And the other thing, I always thought the big issue was losing the front. You couldn't turn in. I thought it was more of a, a front grip issue, not a rear grip issue. You know, I never saw um, cars spinning out of control as they try to make a pass. You know, I no, saw, uh, yeah, you I know, just... it's it's just you, you're not following as close because you, you get massive understeer because you don't have grip on the front wing all of a sudden. So that's, that's what's surprising me. Obviously... Um, the people that are involved in Formula One are smarter than I am. Well, you say that, but <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it it is a bit uh, suspicious to me. And the problem is, uh, it, it's a band aid, right? I mean, it's not it's not a fundamental fix of the core issue. It's it's a symptom. Yeah. And they're trying to they're trying to band aid that. You know, the fundamental issue is that these cars need to be on tracks that promote passing. And just need to be fundamentally designed to be able to stay close to each other. And a movable rear wing is not a fundamental design. It's just it's mechanical grip versus aerodynamic grip and how much of that aerodynamic grip is sensitive to turbulence. Yeah. And uh, to me, 
it, it seems pretty simple, and they're missing the mark. But, you know, what do I know? We'll see. Um, although, actually, now that I think about it, I think the F1 guys may be smarter than you because you were always talking about how oh, mechanics should just stay up all night, every night, working on the car. <laughs> oh, uh, what are you going to do? What are, you know, what are we going to do? Yeah, after make Friday, another pot of coffee. After I mean, Friday practice. We oh, did it for Lamont. How hard can it be? Let's keep working on it. Yeah. And But no, for 2011, they, there's curfews now <laughs> in that there's a set number of hours the team must be away from the track. I mean, I, in, in a way, it's kind of like, okay, that's good for the mechanics to get a little shut-eye. But I don't see what problem they were fixing, and I also – it just screams of big brother to me. Well, the problem they were fixing, I think, is you know a bunch of really sleep-deprived people um, putting Around together a really car fast. <laughs> that may just have bits that would fall off. You know, We did see a few wheels that were you know not attached right, and was that because the guy was sleepy? Who that knows? was still so visually stunning when, when Buemi's wheels just went yeah, – but that wasn't not, sleepy yeah, that mechanics. Was, that was design flaw. Well – who knows, it's, right? It, maybe it was Sleepy Designer. Sleepy Design, yeah. <laughs> uh, or um, who was it? Rosberg's wheel that went bouncing down the pit lane and oh, you know bounced yeah. way up in the air. And oh yeah, lock, yeah, and the and one big dude caught it. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, they they do get a couple of I think four exceptions throughout the course of the season. Oh, there's 20 races in the season, so bear that in mind. But uh, they do have four exceptions. So if you know, say you're uh, working for a team like I don't know Lotus Renault, and say you have a driver like Kubit eh, Petrov. <laughs> who um, crashes the car in, in practice? It and, could be Kubica. And you need, no, it probably it's going to be Petro. Uh, who needs to? They need to rebuild the car overnight. They do have a few exceptions, um, but yeah, it's one of those things. Like I don't, you know, curfews and stuff. Oftentimes, you know, it may make it so much harder for the guys to try to get all the work done that they need to get done by the curfew time, um, or you know, it's it's like on paper it sounds simple enough. Like yeah, let the guys go and have a break, but. The red restriction is that they can't be. I see they're at the track or in the garages or in the paddock area. So yeah. then, are there's they like be... a no F1 personnel after midnight or after two in the yeah. morning, depending on race start. And then it's talking about the exceptions, um, and it's like, does that mean all your mechanics can stay those four times, or you can have one guy and that counts as a quarter? Oh, of an that would so suck. Well, or do they then just who gets the who gets the short straw? Well, or do they take the gearbox to their hotel room with them and work on it there? Because nothing really says you can't work on the car. It says you can't be there. So then, are we going to end up with a bunch of guys in a hotel room putting a gearbox back together? I mean, it's it's weird, but that's where we see innovation in F1, right? You can what's, what's in the trunk of your car? Nothing. <laughs> I mean, the team would want that, right? I mean, they might keep it from Charlie Whiting, but the teams are like, we got to get this car rebuilt. So you guys are taking this home with you. I mean, who knows, right? Yeah, it's, it's a little it's bit silly. weird to think about, but it's like that. those are the kind of things you have to start thinking about when you come up with a rule because, I mean, this is how we got F-ducts. You know, it's not a movable aero device and how we got double diffusers. It's like, oh, no, that's just the hole for where the starter goes in. That's not an aerodynamic piece and right. all this stuff. So it's not, I think, outside the realm of possibility for some really oddball stuff to happen. Right. And, along and, those and lines. that's the, the problem is, right, is like the more you change the rules, the more you're inducing the opportunity for cost. Because then you can research and develop and think of ways of how to spend money to get around that rule and then, then gain, gain an advantage. And so that's definitely one of those rules that's like, that isn't serving a purpose. You know, you can make an argument one way or the other for a lot of these that we're talking about, but. That one in particular, it really seems like it's a solution in, in search of a problem. Indeed. <laughs> All right, wise guy. I didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, okay, we, uh, speaking of F-Ducks, though, we lose F-Ducks. Uh, there are a few rules um, specifically banning any, what, um, it's not movable aerodynamics because those have been banned, but any, like, uh, Aerodynamic device affected any, by yeah, driver movement. Any driver, I think. Con- yeah, any driver control, except for the movable rings that we just told you you could do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was so, and, so bizarre. And they also ban a connecting piece from the shark fin, uh, you know, shark fin uh, right. airbox connecting to the rear wing, so that the path for the F duct that would go through that way. Although, as you know, some of the teams had F ducts that went ran you know sort of down through the bodywork and right. came up through the support and whatever. So, it's. Uh, you know, it's 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 weird because they sort of they're yeah they're technically banning anything that can move that's controlled by the driver's movement, um, but there may still be some you know somebody that comes up with something crazy that still yeah. kind of works in a similar way. Another big thing the, now this one I'm actually pretty excited about is uh, you know Kurz is back uh, oh, kinetic boy. energy recovery system. Truthfully, it never left. Kurz was has been legal and available this entire time, but now 
what they've done is they've increased the minimum weight of the car so that uh, there's not an inherent penalty for having the added weight of the curse system on the car. So you can still have the curse system and um, still be able to have ballast to move the ballast around the way you want. So um, Yeah, well, the teams agreed to not use curves this year. It was a gentleman's as, as agreement. The, yeah, as, just, yeah, as the teams. It wasn't officially a rule, but... Uh, it was, yeah, right. So, But now the gentleman's agreement's off. They're going to have a newer... They have an increased minimum car weight, and curves is going to be back. But I'm, and, I'm more, st- and more power you can get out of the curves. That was our big complaint about yeah. it, too. But I'm still bummed out, because it's still very limited. Uh, you know, Hopefully that'll improve as we go. So, yeah, it's, it's not everything we want, but it, it is back, and it is interesting, and it is... It's probably a good avenue for Formula One to follow uh, in its attempts to stay relevant. In in a sense, it's almost a shame because, you know, guys like Jim and I, we're all about maximizing efficiency, being creative and stuff like that. To me, this is just adding on the, you know, the next big thing. You know, this is, you know, this is just, this is the sham wow. It's It's some hot little fatty thing that, you know, truthfully, there's probably better solutions than, you know, recovering electricity from brake heat. To uh, make cars more efficient, stuff like that. So it'd be cool. Yeah, like like Williams' flywheel system, which they have since abandoned. And said, "Oh no, it was too complicated. Couldn't make it work. We're going to do cars the normal electric way, like everybody else." And right. you know, that's the kind of thing that would be would be great to see because those. Kind, I mean, we have you know hybrid cars with uh, you know with uh, regenerative braking and those kind of things, and you know mo- turning it to electricity is we've pretty, had it for a decade. Yeah, is easy to do, but has a lot of losses in it and so on. So something whether it's flywheel based, whether it's you know hydraulics. I mean, there's lots of different ways of storing energy. And it's weight, and weight is the devil. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, and it's complexity. It's batteries that have all kinds of materials exactly. that are terrible. And I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons against using something like that. And if we had curves were you know wider open, um, then you know there's there's some potential there. But I, I mean, there is hope there uh, on the sports car side of things. I mean, like the, the Porsche 918 hybrid. 911 yep. racer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's very cool well uh, we've worked with uh, do some some videos with them where uh you know we can monitor through through the you know connecting to the car's can bus and actually see the state of charge and how much boost it's giving and you know see how that's affecting the, the car on different laps and so on and that's you know porsche is developing that and of course they're you know are part of vw and audi and there's they're involved in sports car racing in all kinds of different ways and i think the new uh what is it the r18 the newest uh, audi Le Mans car um is designed right now it's diesel but they're um keeping the avenues open and sort of design this car with electrifying it in mind. So uh, there's definitely some cool work being done as has, you know, ours already happened with diesels in Le Mans. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think there's, there's a lot of cool hope for the, uh, you know, good development in racing. Uh, but I don't know that F1 is necessarily the way for that development to happen, but well, but not, I mean, it is, but not in this so tightly constricted form. Yeah. Like the, the creativity isn't really being allowed as much as I would like, but all that being said, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of things that I don't like about it, but it is better than nothing. I yes. think it's good that it's it's back again. Yes, and the combination of these things uh, with, the, with the rear wings as they are and with curves and so on, um, I guess I'm ever hopeful that you know we can get some good racing, and I, I want to keep an open mind about it and uh, yeah. look forward to it. Um, there is some technology that I think would be great if it made it to the street. I think that my Ford Fiesta could use a blown diffuser. <laughs> I just feel like uh, decelerating for medium-speed corners, if I could use some yes. of that exhaust gas to just yes. help the rear end stay a little bit more planted, that I would like that. I remember, you know, on the test drive today, I mean, I didn't say it out loud, but the first thing I was thinking is like, man, these low to medium-speed corners. Just... It gets light in the rear. Oh, I know. Just, you, just, you wish you had a little I, more velocity. I really did. I really did. Just a little did. more stick. And uh, that is another technology <laughs> that is going to be gone from F1. There are no, no more double diffusers. You know, they've limited... They've, they've closed that loophole as far as how where the starter motor comes in and how you can have a hole in the floor and all that and no blown diffusers exhausts are, are more tightly re, you know controlled can't run the exhaust out through aerodynamic bits and uh in, in a way that'll give you any love so we won't get that weird engine note that we got out of the mclaren at the end of last year and so odd yeah. so odd and uh so those are out jim what you're not gonna believe this what you're not i hand on heart we have another press release Oh, man, these are just rolling, Breaking which is amazing news. here at 11 o'clock at night on a Wednesday. Uh, you, you, especially, yeah, you wouldn't expect it, but it's true. Um, Mercedes has just announced uh, that they are pulling out of F1. What? Yeah, Mercedes F1 no longer. What about Ross Braun? But Ross Braun is going to say he's buying back the team, and he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna change the team name. It is now going to be Ross Drives a Lotus Braun Racing. Oh wow! You would not have right. thought that's a possibility. Wow, Lotus. But apparently, is really he drives everywhere. a Lotus. Huh? And uh, nipping right on its heels, uh, Toro Rosso has an announcement. 
uh, they've picked colors. They picked colors for their 2011 car. Oh, it's not going to be the blue and red. No, oh. it looks like it's going to be a black and gold livery. Oh, they nice. Said. That'll that'll blend in well with that, that'll, the rest that's of the field. Very interesting. Hmm. This, I, you know what, the F1 show. It's a lot of things. You know, we're very glad we're able to. We haven't been able to bring you much breaking news. But well, look at this. We have just broken our streak tonight. This is remarkable. Sure is. All right, so Man, this this is this is really going to be a crazy season. I think. I, I know the silly season the is getting <laughs> it's getting sillier and sillier. Twenty thirteen rules. Wow. So there's been proposed rules for twenty thirteen. Uh, none of these are official yet. They're going to be all you know worked and hashed out and changed and so on between now and then. But um, things are looking like they could be pretty different in two years' time. Yeah, and the biggest one, the heart and soul of an F1 car, of any car. Biggest one, going to be the smallest one. Four-cylinder turbo, 1.6-liter, four-cylinder engine. I think I said four-cylinder twice. You did. Inline four. Did they specify that it had to be inline? Maybe not. Could be a V4, could be a flat four. Can you imagine a flat four? Anyway, revving to 12,000 I mean, RPMs. yes, I can imagine a flat four, but not a flat four can going to 12,000 like, RPMs. Wow, there's 24 Subaru WRXs going down the track. Yeah, um, it sounds like a BMW Revving motorcycle. to a, a limited of 12,000 RPM, which is beneath any modern street bike. It's beneath the MotoGP bike, speaking of bikes. It's um, not much greater than the completely specced out um, IndyCar series. And IndyCar is going to have new engines for 2012. Or 2013, somewhere in there. And they're talking about engines that'll rev higher than 12,000 RPM. So, and four cylinder, a four cylinder sound versus a V8, V10 sound, it, it's, they're not thinking straight here. I understand where they're going, but they're not thinking straight, in my opinion. Okay, well, uh, as far as the, I mean, there's, there's two parts of it, right? I mean, some of it, there's sort of the, you know, as you're walking up to the, to the track, and you hear the cars going around, does it make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up? There's that factor of F1, which, right. you know, you remember when we were walking up to Indy. Oh. I mean, you say what you want about the Indianapolis Motor Speedway infield road course F1 configuration. Um, it definitely had its problems. It definitely had its issues. But it had that, you know, when they go onto the banking and they're oh. like just 22 seconds forever flat out. on oh. flat and, you know, on wide open throttle and, and then, you know, and just. All the way down the gears. And all the one. reverb from the stands and stuff. Yes. Echoing, I mean, it's in a bowl, so you can hear all the downshifts echoing. The backfires. Oh, so sweet. Yes. So, you know, and and that, and that then, you know, with V10s, um, you know, the sound was great. With V8s, it really didn't change all that much. I mean, it's got a little different tone to it, but it's still, you know, high screaming. It went from 20,000 down to 18,000. You know, not, not, not a huge loss. Yeah. Um, so two things about this. I mean, one, the, I mean, these are, you know, 1.6 liters, you know, it's twice the size of, you know, a lot of the 800cc superbikes and the, or the, you know, MotoGP bikes and so on. Um, but being turbos, the, you know, there's be a lot more uh, flexibility with the exhaust and the way these things are going to sound. It's not going to be just a short exhaust, you know, off the cylinder on, on you know, out the pipes. Uh, but with, with turbos, it's, it's, a, it's a different sound. It can definitely be a good sound. And I think the designers can actually, you know, different aerodynamic packages, um, which, you know, require different uh, exhaust routing and turbo placement and all that. You could end up with actually cars that sound a little bit different. And you may be able to hear when different cars go by, oh, cool, that was the Ferrari. Oh, there goes the McLotus and all that. And, uh, you know, yeah. We, oh, cool. There goes uh, my, you know, 18 year old younger brother's modded out Civic. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's going to sound better than that. I think. I think it would be kind of cool. Uh, I think the sound is not nearly hey, the problem you hey, think it's going to be. does that thing have NOS? Oh, you got to put NOS on. Oh, they should put n- nitrous in F1. Now that, no. Anyway, um, so I think it could be okay um, sound-wise. Um, and then technology-wise, that's the other, you know, is it relevant? Is it technology that can go to streetcars and so on? Um, and, and there, I think, I mean, we're, we've, we've seen this return to turbocharging in, in road cars um, with, you know, Ford is all about it. BMW is all about it. Yes. Now Honda's got some turbo engines. R- like Absolutely. Uh, you know, BMW is huge on turbos now. It, as we've talked about, it would be great to see Ford get back into F1 to promote EcoBoost. I mean, they're real big on, you know, turbocharging of their engines. And yes. what, better, what better way to showcase their worldwide And I don't technology. know if it was specified or not because uh, EcoBoost is obviously turbocharging and direct injection um if if these would be directly injected four-cylinder turbos i don't know probably uh would it make sense and i'm all for that i mean the four-cylinder engine is by far the most relevant engine in this uh modern times in terms of downsizing and making more power on the turbocharge and everything else i guess what 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 sickens me is the 12k rpm ban you know just the 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 lack of 
um, the lack of revs and power they're going to be able to make with these things. And the other thing, I mean, oh, because seven hundred fifty horsepower is not enough. No. Four hundred fifty. Oh, it'll be better than that. with all the with all the curves that can. Oh, I'd, right, but that, be that, okay. So we're going to get to that. That that's that's the combination with the curves because yes. we're talking about upping the curves. Board. And that'll be cool. Yeah, but okay. In 1990 or 88 or something like that, Honda had a one and a half liter smaller engine than this thing, one and a half liter V8 that made 900 horsepower. That was 20, 20 years ago. It'll be almost 25 years ago when this engine comes to play. So 25 years after we had one and a half liter turbo engines making 900 horsepower, now we have 1.6 liter turbo engines making 450 horsepower, and it's attached to some stupid little electronic box and a damn battery, so it runs like my electric shaver, except a little bit more power and puts it to the wheels. I'm sorry. That is not a step forward. Well, well where we should go is having an engine that you can just turn the boost all the way up on in qualifying and get a new one for the race. Because that, <laughs> that is where you get the 1,500 horsepower versions of, you know, of the same engines. And just yeah, and they're the melting pitch. as so, you cross the yeah, finish exactly. line. Exactly. That, that will make the hairs on the, and every part of your body stand up. <laughs> that, that is, Which can be awkward, well, so, to be honest. So it's not the most like, eco-friendly at that point if you're like, well, that engine's done. But you know, that, that to me, you know, I wasn't around for that era of Grand Prix racing or anything. But uh, just you know, I, I do love turbos, and uh, you know, that part of it would be nice. We'll see. I mean, there's still lots of time for them to tweak things. I, I feel like they've, they've got to make sure that they're, the most visceral things about F1 are some of the most important. And they might be losing it with this engine. Although if they sound, I mean, if they, you know, one one point six liter four cylinders revving to twenty thousand RPM may just sound like a flock of angry bees or something. I mean, it may not sound terribly visceral. You know, what the, okay, okay, fair <laughs> enough. So they just double it. So they go, okay, four cylinders, one point six liters turbo, twin or twin or single turbo, or whatever. But just make it twenty four thousand RPM. Are you happy now? <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Yes. They're also the proposals go on to say it's going to be smaller wings overall. Yes. Less reliance on uh, on 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 front and rear wings for downforce. Lots more downforce from the underbody and actually maybe a regulated underbody so they're all they're all the same. They're not spending a whole bunch of money there to say okay, these cars are going to have a certain amount of stick that doesn't go away when they're trailing another car. Um, keep the tires big so they can still muscle around these corners, make yeah. these passes. And, and this is exactly what we've been talking about. More mechanical grip, less aerodynamic grip. Um, and less of the aerodynamic grip being sensitive to turbulence. Um, so this this stuff is definitely more in the right direction. This is, okay, how do we fix the fundamental issues of why these cars are so hard to pass in? And this, in my opinion, is starting to get to the heart of it. You know, um, Ron Dennis said years ago, we have the technology to make the exact same amount of grip um, that we make with all the aerodynamics with just the mechanics. We can make mechanical grip of 4G's cornering, 5G's breaking. Hmm. We can do that. So why don't we? Why are we forcing ourselves to do all this aerodynamic stuff? So, um, it, you know, obviously uh, <laughs> obviously, uh, there's, obviously. <laughs> obviously there's some reason that... I'm sorry, I was in a big boxing match recently. I'm having <laughs> trouble. Uh, uh, you can't just get rid of the wings altogether. But to me, that makes a lot of sense. Like, of all these rule changes we've been looking at, this one I can I can fundamentally get behind yeah when you take the three the combination of smaller wings more downforce from the under tray and still you know big ass tires i think that as a, as a package would Those be good bats on that BAT. mother so maybe even keep the powertrains the same but I, I mean i yeah i think there's a lot that can i, I want the powertrains to f1 uh, in f1 to be like nothing you can see on the road right I want them to be now but I, I want it, yeah, impressive I, I want it to be like that's the engine i'm going to have in my road car and seven years or whatever exactly. and by then time f1 will be even more in the future or whatever yeah, my that's... stock m3 makes 330 horsepower They're like ooh, that formula one car makes 120 horsepower more than my car hey come on i mean i know with the curves it'd be more but my point is is it's, it's just point not is you impressive. need an m3 with curves Unri- you know did you know curves. this is a totally off the subject did you know that uh bmw prototyped a steam engine attached to their um uh, sock engines, they instead they're like, uh, this was like maybe four or five years ago. They're like, Kurs is stupid, you know, hybrids is stupid. We're going to come up with our own hybrid idea because we, we want something that gives you a benefit on the highway, all driving conditions. Yeah. So they came up with this two stage steam engine configuration. That's awesome. That was one first stage was right off the um, exhaust manifold, mm-hmm. and the second stage was like just after the catalytic converter or something like that. And it generated on the highway like an extra 12 or 15 horsepower. 
and uh, you know, so you're you're getting you're gaining from the steam engine. So I don't know exactly. I mean, I don't think it was a a, a piston steam engine that was then mechanically connected to the drive shaft. I think it was probably some sort of steam engine that generated something else and did something else. You know what they called it? Turbo steamer. <laughs> That's worth it right there, just to be like, yeah, I got the M3 with a turbo steamer. It was cool. Fire this bad boy they, up. They said, they said, at the time, they said it was a 250-pound addition to the car. They would have no interest in putting it in the car unless they could cut that weight in half. And then you know, just never heard from it again. So it didn't, it didn't get past prototype staging. That was a cool idea. Yeah, that was... Uh, steam-powered F1 cars. 2005. I mean, not steam-powered, but, you know, steam cars. <laughs> Man, what, that, oh, what would they come up with? <laughs> that would be so great on the grid. They're, like, purging the freaking check valves. <laughs> air oh, brakes. You could have air brakes, too. It'd be like, a, it'd be like 20 semi-trucks. <laughs> oh, and they could have air horns at that point? Like, like steam cranes? That, okay. We are literally saving the sport right now. Wow. This is amazing. And, Jim, I'm, you cannot make this up. Oh, we were just about to end the show, and what do you got now? I've got more name changes. Oh, my goodness. More name this changes. This has gotten ridiculous. It, 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 it is, and yet it's true. Okay, so we all know that uh, BMW Sauber Ferrari finally got to knock the BMW off its name, which was so ridiculous. It had nothing to do... Um, nothing to do with the team for the entire year. Yeah, Ferrari didn't want it. Who was actually giving them engines? BMW's like, we're not in F one anymore. Why is their name still there? Sauber was just like, we're confused. <laughs> so finally, that's gone. Bad news. Oh, it's back. Oh, what? The new team name. I, you can't make this stuff up. Wow. BMW Honda Toyota Sauber, powered by a Lotus Ferrari. That just doesn't make sense. No, that rolls off the tongue. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. You're BMW fair. Honda Toyota Sauber, powered by a Lotus Ferrari. And yeah. listen, you were concerned. Be concerned no longer. Uh, HRT just sent out a press release. Oh, okay. They, I, you they can can't afford... send out a press release if you're not still in F1. They can afford press releases. That's good. Their new team name is going to be, I wish I thought to be named Lotus Racing. Oh. Yeah. I guess hmm. that's honest. I, yeah. Sure. I guess they're a little late to the party, but uh, <laughs> there you have it. There you have it. Huh. Nice. Anyway, you were saying. Yeah, uh, I was. I was saying that I think we've uh, we've solved all the problems of F one. We have. We're once again. We're coming up on world peace here now. That that'll be that'll be next episode. Yeah, probably. we're we'll gonna get that sorted out. We got to noodle it. New Year's resolutions or two, and then we'll then we'll we'll tackle that one. Uh, but uh, you know, we're not doing the usual user feedback stuff like that. But of course, you guys have been fantastic all along. Oh, oh shoot, Jim, we haven't even talked about this. Okay, check this out. I thank you to my brother and family. Uh, brothers and family um, now have a PlayStation Three. Oh yeah, happy birthday by the way! Thank you, thank you ago. very much. Yeah, I'm like super old. You're now. way old. Yeah. Um, I've got F1 2010 and Gran Turismo Five and some totally random games that I'll never touch, never even pull the cellophane off of. Um, but so I can now, we can now do our benchmark F1 2010 lap time challenge. Exactly what you just Brought said. To you by the F1 show, powered by Lotus, powered by Do and. Uh, so what we're going to do is Jim and I are going to do some uh, <clears throat> research on this in the very near future. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to pick a a driver, a driver, well, a team. Uh, I don't a, think a the course. driver matters, but yeah, it'll be it'll be a, a particular car at a particular track in, in particular conditions, in dry conditions. Yeah, or in maybe particular not. settings. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to come up with something, and then we're going to post a benchmark lap, and that's going to be a lap today, and everyone can play. It's going to be so much fun. And then we're going to put um, we'll we'll put something up. On the uh, interweb up there and uh, make it sweet. Well, we, it's yeah. going to be next year. You know what the trouble is? Huh. Everyone else is going to be so much better than us at this game. Well, but... <laughs> That's part of the fun, though. Look, here's the thing. Since we're running it, we can totally cheat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this guy got a 45-minute lap. I don't know, got lost. Oh, boy. Well, yeah. look forward to that, then. Yes. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely uh, let you guys know through the variety of ways that we have of getting in touch with you and there the variety so of ways that you have of getting in touch with us. Um, the hub for everything is F1Show.com. Yes. From there, you can Hub-erific. visit our Facebook page. You can comment on the posts directly. You can see our Twitter stream. You can follow us there and at reply us and send us messages and all those lovely things. Or if you're old like Robin, you can send us an email to feedback at F1Show.com. What, what? The email. If you're, if you're not up on the Twitter face nets or whatever. Um, or, you know, if you have a job and need to shave. Yeah, well, you know, whatever. Um, 
But yeah, I think uh, unless you've got any more press releases over there that, uh, nope, that have been nope, stacking none up, none more. I don't, I don't um, have anything else. Those were all the press releases. Wow, that was that was something else. With the, the timing of this was incredible. I, I couldn't believe it, especially considering it's like three in the morning in Europe right now. It's, <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty wild. This is important stuff. Um, yeah, so we will not be talking to you between now and the end of this year. So have great holidays, everyone. We hope Happy uh, New Year! Every, it's not yet. It's, you're too early. We're just telling people <laughs> oh. when it is New Year. Oh! Yeah, getting ahead of yourself there. It, I'm, it's the Mountain Dew talking. <laughs> yeah, time travel is tricky, man. I'll tell you what. Uh, yeah, hope Merry everyone, Christmas! There it is! Sorry. Yes. Happy Festivus. Um, whatever. Festivus. You just... <laughs> is that... You know what? That yes. sounds awfully close to feces. Did you make that? That is rude. I did not. No, I did not make that up. You got to spend some man seconds thinking about your words, sir. Right back at you. <laughs> All righty. Let's, <laughs> let's put a bow on this thing. Uh, I am Jim Lyle. We will talk to you at some point early 2011. And I'm Robin Ward. Wait. Uh, what? You will not believe this. <laughs> I'm all right. No. Stop the presses. Okay, the presses are stopped. More releases. What? More releases. But and believe it or not, their name changes. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Two. Two ones. Two more. What is that? That's like the whole freaking field at this Virgin point. Virgin Racing has is changing its name. Oh, man. What Virgin they, what Racing. They, what are they going to be They called? already announced that they're changing themselves to Ma Russia Virgin Racing, and now they're coming out with another press release saying they're changing their name yet again. What? The new name... Is going to be not yet deflowered lotus. <laughs> Who huh. thought of that? Hmm. And this one, this one just blows your mind. I, you know, just when you think you've heard it all, hmm. Lotus Racing has dropped their legal uh, battle with Group Lotus and have changed their name to Brabham Racing. Oh well, there you go. Problem solved. I'm Robin Warner. We'll see you later. The F1 Show is hosted by Jim Lau and Robin Warner. Many thanks to our editor, Jim Lau. We couldn't do trivia without our fact finder, Robin Warner. A tip of our hat to producers Robin Warner and Jim Lau, as well as our executive producers Robin Warner and Jim Lau. Of course, a thousand thank yous to our excellent catering service, Restaurants. And finally, we'd like to offer a huge thank you to Bio Bonsai for use of their song Inspector B from the Big Band album for our outro and intro music. The F1 Show is brought to you by two Americans who love the sport of F1, Jim Lau and Robin Warner. <laughs>